Wow, welcome to this episode of the 10 minute, no, it's not the 10 minute Welcome to this episode of Master of One, a slightly different format this week. We've got a bit of a Q&A with ourselves um, and we're talking about our journey into Masters and PhD and our hardest parts, the rewarding parts, the learning curves, the next steps and if you're considering doing postgraduate study, some things to consider I guess. So here we go. So how do we actually get into master's study? So I um, came back into teaching in 2018 um, and I was really interested in how we could better utilize technology because I've had like a four-year break and in my mind I was going to come back in and they're going to be like robots in the classroom and there were. <laughs> um, and so I kind of came from it from an angle of that was like a specific inquiry that I wanted to follow of like well how do we get more technology into our classrooms and why isn't there and what's kind of around that um and so I went back to the university that I know that I did my undergraduate in like 60 years ago mm-hmm. um Victoria and I enrolled in a master's and haven't looked back um so that was quite like a smooth story <laughs> how many years did it take you to do yours it took me two years um studying while I was teaching full-time yeah so for me I was getting really like I was working as a teacher and getting really passionate about upskilling my fellow colleagues in digital technologies and so I got like some digital technologies units and things like that and sort of in charge of doing the PD and found that I could um, run sort of PD sessions and then I was like well how do I know if I'm being effective and um, then on the horizon was this role that I'm in now around actual PLD facilitation and I was like I've been to some really terrible PD and I want to make sure that when I do my own PD that um, it's effective. And so what specifically in digital technologies, there wasn't a lot of research out there around digital technologies, PLD, and what makes that effective because I think it's quite different to kind of abstract concepts of um, sort of, I don't know, cultural competencies and stuff where mm-hmm. it's you have to unpack it a lot, whereas digital technologies is quite physical and hands-on so invisible yeah invisible yeah um and also kind of curriculum content based in some ways so that was that really drove me to to do it but also I wanted to as a young person in the PLD facilitation space and not having taught you know having only taught for six years I wanted to kind of have some credit behind my name being like I actually think I know what I'm talking about um so so that was a big push for me too was the kind of qualification and the credit that that would kind of put behind my name as well I think for me as well if I'm honest like I wanted a master's degree and that probably pushed me for like the first six months so um and we'll probably get into it more as we start talking but certainly that was like it, it did work for a certain period of time but I don't think that would actually sustain you through to the end yeah. of a degree just wanting a piece of paper to put on the wall or wanting especially like, if you go into PhD yeah like oh, if, you just oh, yeah. Be, if you just want to be a doctor six years isn't worth that no, no, there is. So, just forge it just like yeah. put it on your power bill and be done with it <laughs> so for um for me it took me it actually took me four years um part-time while I was working full-time and I changed schools twice and changed in, um into this PLD facilitation job and so for me I put it on hold for six months um when I was changing jobs um and yeah just found it was really flexible to be able to do that and I wasn't I didn't want to like kill myself over being like I actually need a break while I change um move house and change schools and all of that sort of stuff so um for me putting on hold was no biggie and the uni was really flexible about that so it kind of I don't know I wouldn't have been able to probably complete it if I hadn't been able to have that break but it just did mean that dragged out a little bit longer that's so cool that you could recognize that because I had my daughter and I didn't apply for like a break in study until literally I was sitting in the hospital holding her 
And then I was like, I don't think I can continue with this. So I took a month off and the university were like, okay. Um, and I think I was still thinking it like that undergraduate perspective of like, if you're an hour late, your assignment won't be back. It's not like that in postgrad school at all. No way. I guess the thing with a master's is like, what's great about postgrad and, and undergrad is like, it's so set out. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, this is what we're doing this semester whatever um you're going to hand in x y and z on these dates here's all your assignments masters is like here's three years <laughs> work you know like what get it, it like done yeah. <laughs> um so the hardest part of masters so the hardest part. Really. so the hardest part for me um was getting it actually finished um so I didn't have any problem coming up with the question I mean I had to refine it a bit but I kind of knew what I wanted to get into um I didn't have a huge amount of problem like my research was surprisingly easy I found schools who were you know reciprocal to what what I wanted to do really quickly um and then you write it up and I kind of had a first draft um but actually getting it like to a point where it was able to be submitted where there weren't like gaping errors and um all the chapters were good um I was slightly kind of um blindsided by the fact that my thesis was due during lockdown um and while my child was teething um but so that that was to me actually getting over the line was the hardest part um and I think for the grace of having a very very um understanding supervisor I made it (laughs) how about you um the hardest part I found was the self-guided kind of part of it like your supervisor's there to help but I honestly felt like I was wearing a blindfold the whole time and now that I look in hindsight, I can look back at like what a research process is. I think it would be ten times easier because mm-hmm. I'd know the kind of format. I'd know what methodology means. You know, like I'd know the vocab and all of the ways to kind of access that that piece of work. Um, my ethics got denied like six times, and I was almost about to give up. I was like, well, because ethics basically is where you get permission to be able to survey people. So. Like, we weren't taking any blood samples. For me, there was no children involved. There's no animals involved. I literally just wanted to ask people questions and, and to think that I had to resubmit, um, you know, to, to get through this red tape about six times just did my absolute head in. Um, so that was a really kind of tough part where I really did consider whether this was for me or not. So, um, yeah. Anyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know that there's some master's programs programs out there um in the mind lab and stuff where maybe it's not I don't want to say it's not as rigorous but I think the ethics is kind of a blanket ethics for your project so um we both did quite I guess traditional theses thesi theses you really have to comment below what the plural of thesis is what is the plural that's the yeah ethics I'd completely maybe I'd blank that out of my mind um and I think with ethics you're right with the whole research um, kind of how you do your research, but with ethics as well. I didn't realize what they wanted until after I got it approved. Yeah. Um, and I wonder whether, you know, how would we talk about like in the classroom, like letting kids find their way and letting them kind of, you know, swim around a little bit and not kind of going and saving them straight away. That's very much what postgraduate study is, I think. Mm. Um, your supervisor isn't going to give you the exact, like, no, this is what you need to change to get your ethics approved because there's a learning and you figuring that out for yourself but it's painful. <laughs> it is painful. It's like two steps forward, one step back um, sure. with a blindfold on <laughs> in the dark um, while you're working full time. <laughs> um, I think another hard part for me was that disconnection from anywhere. So like in my whole four years, I never actually met my supervisor face to face. So it was always Zoom or voice calls or video recordings or things like that. And I never met with any other um 
I guess, candidate, you know, people that were doing their masters. And so it was actually a bit lonely and isolating in that sense. But I guess for some people, it's like you can just do your own thing and you don't have to consult with anyone or go, go up to Auckland and meet anyone and stuff. So that's something to take into consideration. It's very um, solo. Yeah, I, I think especially if you're doing it by distance, but even if you're on a campus, I would imagine um, as a kind of a part-time student, I think it's something I'm more cognizant of now. You really have to aggressively seek out those kind of networking or the extra kind of um, practical sessions um, that the university might offer. They mm-hmm. don't necessarily come to you so much. Um, but that is a part of what you're paying for and a part of what your work is around. Um, yeah. So it's probably worth doing. Yeah, like right at the end when my thesis was like two weeks out from being due, I contacted the, um, you know, the student help, whatever it was, and she just gave me some feedback on one of my chapters. And, oh, my gosh, why hadn't I done that earlier? It's like asking for help is just something we don't do well. And I think um, there are – they don't – tell you all these you know there's these amazing things that you can do so make sure you do seek out that help and see what you're kind of eligible for I guess for sure and do it early yeah what do you think was like the biggest reward um oh <laughs> <laughs> just choose one yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, one. too many to choose from. um I think the biggest reward and it sounds a bit cheesy but was actually like the commitment that I'd kept to myself and that I'd actually done it I know that sounds a bit sad but um it was like um, once I'd completed it, I remember starting it and being like, God, am I good enough to do a master's? Mm-hmm. Like, do I have the major academic ability syndrome. to do a major imposter syndrome? Like, you know, can I really do anything I want? And, and you know, doing it and to be fair, like getting quite a cool mark was just like, holy shit, maybe I am quite good at this stuff. And feeling like that confidence in myself to be like, I can kind of tackle anything and it wasn't just a short thing. It wasn't like, oh, I can commit to something for a week and get it done. It was like four years of rigorous 30,000 word essay, you know, um, just heaps, heaps. So, so yeah, for me, it was, it was, that was probably the most rewarding part. Not even the word masters on my CV. It was like, fuck you, I've done it, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. What about for you? I think for me, it was quite similar. I got a real kick out of actually going into classrooms and doing the research, like the physical part where I had a case study and I went in and I set up these devices and I got feedback from teachers and I was able to, um, you know, see what kids were saying to the devices that I had in the classrooms that, I don't know, there was a sense of like, it sounds like really bad, but of like power. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I was making a difference in these kids' lives, but then I was able to take that data and possibly if anybody, except for my mum, reads my thesis, um, make it into kind of something that other teachers can pick up on. And there was that sense of, I don't, because with academia, the thing is that you're like, the way that people often describe it is you're putting like a grain of sand on the top of a mountain and you're Mm. standing on giants to do it. Um, And because of the way that you have to justify and because of the way that your work is peer reviewed, it is quite a small step that you're taking. Um, So I don't want to be like, I invented this brand new thing. Um, Mm. But you did feel like you were contributing to your professional kind of knowledge in the most robust way Mm. possible and that gave me a little kind of oh yeah yeah (laughs) that you're kind of part of something that's a lot bigger I think yeah because it's not like you're going to discover necessarily anything new you're just sort of adding a little bit more to the research and I think that that was the analogy that they gave us when we first started or when they gave me when I first started this master's was like you're standing on an island and you want to put one foot off the island and one foot on the island so you're sort of you're not actually going too far away from what already exists, but you're kind of trying to add something new. And so for me, it was that digital technologies, PLD piece, um, you know, lots of PLD stuff out there, mm-hmm. but just not in digital technologies. No. So, yeah. 
giving it kind of a new frame or a new lens. Yeah, a new lens. Um, yeah, and I think um, kind of being able to say that was enough mm-hmm. because you, I, when I started, I had major imposter syndrome as well, but I also kind of had that moment of like, well, I want to do this grand thing and, you know, and you want to change the world, which mm. of, course, of course you do because there's so much in education that we can all see like that needs to change yesterday. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, to, to say that like that little grain of sand or that kind of foot I put off the island was enough um, and kind of having that satisfaction from that was probably pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you have any of these cups? I don't. <laughs> Number one best teacher. <laughs> okay, so for us it was like we'd done, you know, it was four years lead up to this, this in, you know, two years, three years, four years lead up to the end of the Masters and then Laura and I met and it was like, oh, gosh, what if the only people that read our thesis sees are our mums? <laughs> our mums and maybe also like our supervisors as well, right? And so like, is, is my mum really going to read it? <laughs> <laughs> so that was when sort of this whole podcasting thing kicked off for us and, and I think – what we've learned from that is just that encouragement to find ways that you can share because it isn't like academic gobbledygook and and like what you've done is is worth something so Mm -hmm. you know if you make it into an infographic or you just condense it down or make a toolkit that goes with it or something something that people can pick up and use in their classrooms but also something that just makes it yeah as you say kind of breaks down that barrier of being that academic um because even if people want to read your thesis nobody has time to read like a whole bunch of 30,000 word essays. Um, yeah. So the decision to then go a bit further and do a PhD. Yeah. So um, I've decided to go into a PhD and Tony has not yet decided to go into a PhD is how I'm going to phrase it. Um, and so I think it's kind of a natural thing. If you do kind of honestly, even okay-ish, but if you do well in your master's, someone's going to tap you on the shoulder and be like, hey, um, but it's a huge commitment. And so I think it's probably um, we both had kind of maybe the same thought processes, but came to different conclusions. So I don't know if you want to talk about why yeah. you decided not yet. Um, I mean, I love the idea of doing it and I love, the fact that you know I would have reached the pinnacle of academic education I think that that you know to think that a master's is level eight and PhD is level nine or whatever it is you know um and to think you know I'm a I'm an I'm in education and I would love to be able to have reached the pinnacle but I just don't I think for me you know personal factors come into it you know what's your life look like can you dedicate you know I Four years of that master's was so intense um, in terms of what I had to give up and I think that burning the candle at both ends idea and stuff and I think I just, I can't see myself being that happy <laughs> in six years of um, <laughs> of that and where my life's going and what I want to achieve. So um, for me, the, currently the decision is not to do it. But I mean, I don't see... I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> I need a buddy. And I think like at the other end of it... Um, I don't know what I want to investigate. Like, I don't have a burning question I want to answer. So right. for me, I'm like, would I just be doing it to get a doc- doctor? You know, like, would I just be doing it because I think that's the right thing to do or someone has asked me to do it when really I don't have a burning problem that I want to solve that I'm not already doing in my day-to-day work, I guess. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. But, but still Laura, <laughs> Laura's on my case. <laughs> I am. I am. I need a buddy. But I'm not saying that because I've decided not to do it, that it's not a good idea because Laura's come to this and she just wanted to, wanted to do it and so maybe tell us why. I think it is a good idea for me 
is what I'm going with, you know, mm-hmm. check back mm-hmm. with it in like three years time. <laughs> um, but I think at the moment it is the right decision for me. I don't think it's the right decision for everybody. I don't think it's something that um, you should just do mm. um, as like a default because you did well in your master's. Mm. Um, story time. When I was 10 years old, we were we moved house and we were unpacking and I found my mother's like master's degree certificate. Oh, and I was yeah. like, well, what's better than a master's degree? And she's like, well, I could have gone on and did my PhD. And I was like, in the way that you do when you're 10 and a brutal person, I was like, <laughs> I'm going to do a PhD and then I'll be smarter than you. <laughs> and like... Doing a PhD does not prove that I'm smarter than anyone. It proves that in this one specific field, again, that I've made like an original contribution to the knowledge that exists. Um, And that's all it actually takes. And within the framework of that academia, which is right for some questions Mm. and for some questions is just not the right framework. I don't think every question like needs a PhD. Um, Mm. For me, I was left with way more questions than answers from my master's research. I was like, you know, as I was going through my findings, I was like, well, what if I had that data source? And what if we'd mm-hmm. observed the students using the devices? And what is, you know, when we're talking about the ma- building, like, relationship isn't the right word. I've had, like, major conversations with my supervisor about how relationship isn't the right word. But if we're talking about students building relationships with these devices, um, you know, what does that actually look like? Mm-hmm. And how do we build technology that, that works for that? And you can see from me starting to rant that I have a lot of <laughs> questions in my head about this topic. And the more I thought about it, those questions and I started kind of doing some pre-reading those questions kind of did suit a PhD framework Mm. and that was where that decision came from I'm attempting to do it full-time at the moment um I don't know how I'll be able to sustain that to be Mm. completely honest um so I think there are some practical questions that at the moment I've just gone well I so badly want this and I so badly want the answers to the questions that I'm kind of ignoring some of the practicalities Mm. um so maybe don't do that but yeah I I think we've probably both come to valid yeah and if I could go back and change the way I did my master's I mean there's always financial decisions there too like I would have loved to have like a Friday where that was my master's day and I worked part-time but like financially that probably wasn't an option at the time Mm -hmm. Um, and I might have got a little bit more out of it but I don't know like who knows who knows so just be really mindful of the decision you make and make the commitment to yourself because if you know if you're already thinking about it maybe Maybe go for it. Yeah. There's always like a give it a go kind of a slant to it as well. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and like, I mean, you can always quit. Yeah. <laughs>